Let's hit it. And welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Well, welcome back, and I hope you enjoyed our opening music. It's called Clarion Call by the Mark Arneson Band, featuring Maya Dorr. And you can download that on any of your favorite music platforms. For those of you that are new to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio, we're about sound information, not just sound bites. And our goal is to raise all voices, big and small, from those diagnosed to those that care and serve them, to advocates, researchers, and more. I want to thank all of our listeners. You've been so kind to like, click, and share our episodes. And for that, you have gotten us known internationally. We've been doing this since 2011, and I just so appreciate your uh, support and your ability to help us build a sense of community, collaboration, and comfort in order to win this battle against dementia. Now, some of you might not know, but November is Alzheimer's Awareness Month. It's also National Caregiver Month. And um, to celebrate that, we are going to be talking with two women who are working on a project to shift stigma by leveraging the arts. And so we're going to have a fascinating conversation. But before I introduce them, I just want to highlight a couple of our past shows we had open mic the other day where we learned a lot about Dementia Action Alliance and some free online programs that they are offering for those living with dementia at home as well as those living in assisted living. We also had uh, Larry Nysenson on and he is with Genworth Insurance and they have a program called Care Scout and so we talked about caring, careers, and covid fascinating discussion and really exciting about what their company is offering uh, corporations. We had uh, Roz Jones on uh, not too long ago, and she also talked about, you know, what kind of paperwork do you need to get in order? What are some of the timelines for that? And then we also talked with IBM. They've been doing some research on speech patterns and artificial intelligence in Alzheimer's. And coming up, we, uh, as always, have some fun shows. Our next one will be with uh, Dr. Erin Blight talking about uh, giving care as well. I also like to give some shout outs to some organizations. So I'm gonna start out with one of my favorites, and that is the Memory Cafe Directory. Um, I'm lucky enough to facilitate two programs Uh, both in Minnesota. One is for Arthur Senior Living, where we have uh, virtual memory cafes on the second and fourth Wednesday of 
each month, and we start at 1 o'clock. We usually go for an, an hour to an hour and a half, and anyone is welcome to join us uh, anywhere around the world. If you'd like, just reach out to me. I'll get you some more details. The second is with um, Artist Senior Living, and so they have developed a cafe called the Artist Way Memory Cafe, and we meet the third Wednesday of each month at 1 o'clock, and you can register uh, by dialing 612-200-0506. That's 612-200-0506. And you can always go to the Memory Cafe directory.com for more information. Now, speaking of that, I have to say today is the day. It's November 10th, and I am so proud to announce a collaboration that I've been working on with Dave Wiederick, who um, actually is the one who founded the Memory Cafe directories. And we have launched, as of today, a platform called Dementia Map, which is a global resource directory for everything dementia. And I'd love you to go check out DementiaMap.com. We're building it organically. You're going to be hearing a lot more about this, but we want to level, level the playing field for large and small companies to be able to have their resources found in an easy fashion. We want people with dementia, their care partners and friends, and family along with professionals to be able to find easy access to tools. And if you are a member uh, listed, there are free memberships and there are paid memberships. The paid ones, of course, have a little additional benefits and I would be glad to set up a free tour of the site to discuss that in more detail with you. I also wanted to give a shout out to the Vamos Theater in the UK. They are doing the Wednesday Wave, which started October 14th and runs to December 16th at 3 p.m. every day. You can go to vamostheater.co.uk and then go to their Arts in Project for more information. Last, we're going to go ahead and um, shout out to Coral Health. They are being so fantastic about allowing people to download their music app, um, Music First and Coral Faith, on their site. Just go to coralhealth.com, C-O-R-O-Health.com. And um, let's see, the Foot Bar Walker, you got to check them out. If you have anybody who's having any accessibility issues and is using a walker right now, go to thefootbarwalker.com and check out what they have to offer. It alleviates the stress on the back for the care partner as well as the lift and the pull on the, on the patient. It's a wonderful, wonderful uh, tool to be able to, to utilize, allow independence and protect health on both sides. Now I'm gonna go ahead and introduce our guest today. Danette McCarthy is a theater artist, a facilitator, and a program designer that focuses on building community through the use of arts and participatory leadership. She lives in St. Paul, Minnesota, so she's close to me, and she works as a consultant across sectors of government, education, nonprofit, and for-profits in the realm of strategic action we also have with us Lori Paulson, who is the Senior Citizen Advocate at the Winona Friendship Center in Winona, Minnesota. 
and she is also the lead person for the Winona Dementia Friendly Community Action Team, which is a group of concerned people from local nonprofit agencies, businesses, local assisted living and uh, skilled nursing homes, along with the Winona Friendship Center and the community at large. And together, the action team is working on making uh, Winona to become truly dementia friendly. Well, welcome, ladies. I'm so excited to have both of you join us on Alzheimer's Speaks and be able to learn about the Remember Project. So welcome. Great. Before I get into our line of question, I always like to ask my guests if they've been personally touched by dementia in their own you know, family or circle of friends. So Lori, do you mind taking that one first? Sure. Um, I don't have anyone in my family, but I did um, have a very close friend and... Um, she passed away in December of last year. So it's been a, over a year. Um, and, and she lived in a, in a facility and I would go visit her. And when I had my little boy, um, we were taking him for his three months pictures and we went to her assistant, her memory care unit. And he had his first blowout. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm in her room changing him. And, um, and we, I have pictures of, of her with him as a three month old. Okay, great. And Danette, how about you? Have you been personally touched by dementia? And not directly in my nuclear family. I have had friends over the years where I had the the grandmother of a dear friend and my son-in-law's mother. So I and and they both lived far away from me. So I was learning slowly, but not kind of with the in-depth learning that I've been able to have through this project, and it's all been indirect. So no, no, I haven't. No apologies needed, you know. It's just always nice to nice to know with people. Um, Danette, I'm going to go with you first and ask you, really, can you explain to our audience what is the Remember Project and how does it help create dementia-friendly communities? Well, this is a project that was initially um, imagined as a way to help open a community conversation because it was very clear that this topic is not an easy one to talk about and there was just such an importance to build community awareness. So we use theater, and that's a huge part of my background, we use theater as a tool to open these conversations. And um, back in 2012, Memory Care, an organization in Asheville, North Carolina, put out a call for one-act plays. And at the time, I was managing a small professional theater company, and we had to our competition, and it was brilliant. It's a 20-minute play called Steering into the Skid, and we saw that there was a way to use these short plays to open the conversation. And so we believe strongly that when a community can have its own unique conversation, around memory loss and around what their community assets are or the gaps, that they will be able to take meaningful steps to better understand what they can do to become dementia friendly. Not this abstract notion of what is a dementia friendly community, but some really specific and concrete examples of what their community can do and why. Wonderful. Lori, anything you wanna add to that? Well, here in Winona, we started to become a dementia-friendly community in 2016. And we haven't let that initiative die. We keep working at it, working at it. And so this is just another way 
to get that communication started. And, and the play is a, is a different way. And maybe we're hitting a different group of people. You know, maybe someone that is more artsy has never thought about go, um, talking about dementia friendly before. And the people that are in the arts have power. And we're a very artistic driven town. Wonderful. Well, I, I totally believe in the arts. I was involved with a, a play called A Timeless Love, or a, a film, I should say. And it's amazing the conversations that crop up. And, you know, people are just, they're blindsided, but in a good way, you know, because they get drawn into the storyline and they see real life being played out and they feel and sense the emotions of the characters. And um, it, it is wonderful to see these authentic conversations arise through art. Um, I've been to a, a one-act play. It was a musical by uh, Jonathan Brooke, who came to uh, the Twin Cities and been on Broadway the whole nine yards. And, I mean, I kept bringing people back to the show. And the people I would bring would come back with somebody else. They're like, oh, somebody else needs to see this because it's just storytelling in a different element. And it makes it comfortable and approachable and um yeah, really, really powerful. So very, very cool. Um, I'm going to throw this back to Danette again. Why do you believe that theater is so effective? I mean, we just kind of talked about that. But, um, you know, in terms of reducing stigma and really honing into specific conversations and and thoughts and feelings like fear and isolation and, you know, memory loss is just such a scary, scary word. It is, and your comments about Jonathan Brooks's work—I mean, um, they are—they're the perfect example of why this is powerful. So, when you can see a story on stage, and maybe it—you maybe you don't have a direct connection to the story, but if you can start to be part of that story, if you can put yourself in uh, the position of one or more of the characters. Um, you are able to then expand your own imagination or, uh, around your own sense of possibility, your own sense of fear, your own sense of what if. Now, that's a very powerful thing all by itself. And most of us, whether it's a movie or music or a play, we might not even have a very lengthy or robust chance to talk about what we just saw. Well, this project takes that place that theater can bring you and then it says in the most I think gentle and inviting way possible let's have a conversation now and we try to do that with great care and theater opens this door to both our head and our hearts and allows us to step into that place that might feel very difficult very fearful a place that is stigmatized none of us wants to get separated from our memories. None of us wants to see any family member go through this. This is very difficult. And yet, without that invitation to say, you know what, let's talk about this, we can't do proper planning. We can't help our loved ones know what our wishes are. Yeah, very true. It's like just the most tender, beautiful way to help people have that conversation. Yeah. Lori, anything you want to add to that? Well, it's kind of, um, you know, when you're reading a really good book, you want all your friends to be reading that really good book. And, and so this is exactly what Jeanette said. Um, you see this, this play, and it's, it, it can touch you, definitely, um, in, in different ways. 
and you want to share that with someone else. And so this gives us that opportunity. Um, it would be kind of a sin to watch this play in a theater and just walk away from it afterwards um, because you, there's so much to unpack. Um, and, and after the play, you don't stop thinking about Tim and Amanda. I mean, they, they'll come into your mind and what are they doing now? How are things going, you know? Yeah, I think that's really true when you said, you know, it would almost be a shame to have it in a theater where everybody can walk off because everybody's coming from a different spot. And, you know, one particular, I'll I'll just share a story that I'm sure relates to what you guys are doing. But uh, when I showed this film, there was one gal that marched in and she was really angry. um, And the staff said she's going to do one of two things. She's going to walk out in the middle of this. Or she's going to stick around and give you a really hard time because she is feeling so isolated and so alone and she's not feeling support from her siblings. She's trying to care for her mom. She's trying to work. I mean, just all the typical things that that people go through. And I told the staff, not not a problem. I'll I'll handle whatever, you know. Um, And the lights came on and she had a smile on her face. I I get teary-eyed every time I say this. And I went around because we do a talk back and I, I, you know, asked people for their input and they were sharing and, and I, w- I asked her last. And she said, I finally don't feel alone. And it was like, oh, I mean, that's the power to take someone who is so angry, so isolated and to be able to calm their soul down and say it's going to be okay, and then to hook them up with people in the community that truly understand, that are there to support them. I've seen others where they end up meeting people, and they walk out having conversations and sharing phone numbers because they've found a new friend, a new peer. So art is really, really powerful, and it should never, in my estimation, be be undervalued in any stretch. You know, I know I'm biased, and I, I and I couldn't agree more. And I want to point out one important thing, Lori, in your story. You took a leap of faith that might have made some of the others around you nervous. You know, you were forewarned about this person and maybe these strong feelings, and quite negative, quite powerful, and yet you stayed calm and centered, and you knew that this invitation to be in community would be valuable and you you know maybe there was a part of you that might have been a little nervous you had faith you had faith in that step and you invited it and you welcomed it and and hooray hallelujah you helped a person at least begin the journey of moving through that anger and to not feel alone is huge yeah well and and i was that person at times i had two brothers that i didn't think were stepping up the way they should and I was I was ticked off at him. I was trying to fix him and get him to come to my side, you know, and and all that energy that you spend doing that. And I, um, but I also was the person who, after my, you know, with my mom lived with it for thirty years, found the gifts wrapped in it, found the joy, and knew I had something to share um, with that as well as the film. And so that combination of, again, letting people be wherever they are. And I I have said from day one on this journey 
um, and, and feel even stronger today. People have to be allowed to feel their emotions. We have to recognize them because we can't push through them if we don't recognize them, um, if we don't validate them. Same with services. We are never going to get the services we need if we don't have these conversations, um, which to me was just like a whack on the head when I first stepped into the space. Like, why aren't we talking about this? This need is great, but everyone's just trying to shove it back in the closet. And it's like, okay, the closet door's off now. They're not going back in there. You know, we need to have these conversations. We have to stop being fearful. We, We live life adapting. This is just one more scenario we have to adapt and do better with. And it's never going to be perfect, but life wasn't before. So stop thinking it was. You know, stop making that your pinnacle of going back to perfect. It it wasn't. Never has been. You've made mistakes. Others have made mistakes. That will continue. You can't be happy unless you feel sad. You know, I mean, there's that whole yin and the yang that I think people have to value in the power of of plays and movie and art allow people to not only express it, but feel it. And and when that creeps through a room, you know, when you see others pulling out tissues or laughing together as perfect strangers, um, there's just this connectiveness that just happens. And you can't really explain it, but there's power in in those connections. And there are small, tiny things, I think, that sometimes we we overlook and devalue. And it really opens up. I think one's eyes and hearts to say we we can't do that anymore. You know we have we have to um, spread more joy and more connection. Uh-huh. Absolutely, wise wise words, and I can just picture it, Lori. This, you know, because every audience is different, mm-hmm. and yet that ripple is always there. It might be kind of a big, robust, rambunctious type of ripple, or it might be more quiet. But you can feel it, and we've learned to see that you can feel that even virtually, which is amazing. We'll probably talk about that more, but you you know that experience, and it's exciting for me to hear you speak with such wisdom and certainty because, again, that in itself, I think, encourages people who might be afraid to talk mm-hmm. about this topic or to enter the conversation. I think that that's what you're doing here when you're telling that story is you're, you're helping people feel the confidence yep. to take Well, and we even did one film where uh, the film didn't show up. They put us in a room where we couldn't darken the room. So I'm like panicking going, ah, okay, I can do another program. I go up to the executive director and he said, Lori, look at him. I was totally ready to pivot and say, okay, uh, sorry, everybody, you know, blah, blah, blah. And um, he said, I've never seen such an attentive audience. They listened to a 90-minute film they couldn't see. And so sometimes, I mean, we have to think back to old times when people used to just listen to the radio. They didn't watch TV because it wasn't, it wasn't there. Um, but stories can be told on a lot of different levels. And if the tale is told well, and there's the, the voice inflections, you know, to carry it through, people stay. And, um, you know, talking with that group even afterwards was so powerful because they were surprised it kept their attention and how much they learned. So, yeah, it, it's it's cool. But sometimes it is. It's just experimenting and seeing where it goes. Now, 
doing this live and then switching to virtual, I'm sure took a lot of twists and turns and thoughts of, oh my God, is this going to work? And how is this going to work? And, you know, all of those things. Danette, what what went through your mind or, or what didn't go through your mind might be an easier question in some ways. Oh, 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 this is such an interesting thing. I well, I've been asked for many years, you know, can we film this? Can we do a video for people who can't be there? And the answer was always no, because we didn't have the rights to be able to do that. And also, st- stubbornly and with true belief, I know the power of live theater. And so I had started to think about what would a film version look like. However, I hadn't really taken those steps. So luck, kind of luckily, I had had some of those thoughts. But I doubt that it would have taken... <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. It took a pandemic to kind of push me there. And um, and I was very nervous. I spent, and Lori watched me through this process. The tour liaisons for this tour have been all, you know, right with me all along this process. And, and of course, we didn't know. We didn't know if the pandemic would, you know, get over quickly and we could be out there touring or we didn't know. And, um, but what my biggest concern was um, focused completely on could we have an excellent event virtually? It would be different, but could it be excellent? Could we really bring the power of theater into this virtual space? And I didn't know because that's not my medium. And I was very, very, many divine fortunate things happened. And I ended up being surrounded and now by nine people on a dream team, I call them the dream team, And they answered questions and helped me think through how to hold us to this highest standard of of theater in a virtual space. And so we created not a film, because I don't know how to do that, and that's very expensive too. We created a theatrical video. It did use three cameras. We did use wonderful sound and a stage. But we created a theatrical video, and we did that toward the end of July. And then we spent much of August doing the editing and preparing, and we did some previews. First of all, we shared within the launch conference for the tour liaisons and the teams, and then we did some previews. And it wasn't until we got through the previews that I could feel complete confidence that this would work. We got good feedback through a survey system. But this process of of creating a virtual event was a process of letting go of some things and embracing some things. And yes, it was it was very difficult, in part because, quite honestly, my standards are really, really high. You, I, I am not willing to bring a so-so product into this conversation. The, the audience members deserve an excellent piece of art, and the excellence of the art will help have a really excellent conversation. So yes, it was difficult, and it was quite a process. We were... Um, one of the one of the amazing fortunate things, um, I got a phone call in early March from um, a department chair at the University of Wisconsin River Falls saying, "We have a student on the ground in Germany who has to come home, and she needs a full time internship. Can you take her?" Oh wow! From the, from the Department of Stage and Screen Arts, and without Hannah Robb, we would not have been able to do this. So, you know, that's what I say. We've got some divine things happening. So, yes, it was hard and extremely rewarding. Wow. Lori, how did you feel about trying to transition it to uh, to virtual? 
in terms of being part of the dream team? Yeah, I could see that it was a really tough decision for Danette and, and Jim, who are the two actors in the in the play, because that's all they know. I mean, you go into theater to be in theater, not to video it. Um, so when we found out that the pandemic was not going away um, and we still wanted to do this project, we, we just had to, first we looked at doing live theater via Zoom. Um, but then all of a sudden someone convinced in it that, that it had to be filmed. And, um, and it is, it's, it's, we saw a rough, not a real rough cut, but kind of a rough cut. And it was beautiful. It was great when we saw it in the launch conference. Um, and then they went and edited it some more and it, it's great. Um, you still get that feeling of you're at a play. You're just in your own home. And, and that's the thing. We are getting people that would never go to a play. Maybe they have social anxiety. Maybe they don't like to be around a ton of other people because of germs or whatever. Um, so we are reaching people, a segment of people that we would, would not have reached with a live theater. We are, have the possibility of reaching more people because we're not limited to the size of a theater. Um, and the best thing that I like is we're able to reach like people that live in Winona, but maybe their brother, maybe their sister, maybe their um, other relatives that live in Washington, D.C. or Florida. They can zoom in at the same time and have this conversation and this realization together. And that would not happen without it being uh, the way it is on Zoom. Yeah. And talk about building community. I mean, that is, you know, you're strengthening family, you're strengthening community. And Lori, it's so important what you just said. You know, this is something that, you know, I might have known and believed in with regard to access. However, there's a shame on me that's been going on, and I'm not beating myself up. At the same time, this is very true. Live theater has always and will always, for whatever reason, leave people out. It doesn't matter why they don't come. You know, yes, there could be anxieties, there could be a snowstorm, there could be a disability, there could be a broken leg that's a short-term disability. It doesn't matter. Whatever the reason, the people who haven't come in the past now have a way to participate if they'd like to. And that is a, that's a very emotional thing for me as a theater artist. I mean, to both admit it and own it and step into that space of saying, we can have a bigger audience and that will be very rewarding and that will be very fulfilling. Well, and you being the actor, Jenna, this is one thing that I've kind of thought about. What do you think when you are now watching people watch you act? You didn't get to do that as an actor on the stage. You couldn't see people's reactions. You could maybe hear their laughter or maybe their gasps or something like that. But now you on Zoom get to watch people's facial expressions in detail. How is that for you? It's, it's so interesting. I mean, no one's asked that question yet. And Jim and I have talked about it a little bit. So for, for Lori, um, Jim plays my husband in the, in the play. So we play husband and wife, Amanda and Tim. And um, it is a very unusual experience. It's really rewarding. It is you know, you get filled with curiosity about what are they thinking and what are they feeling? And even watching ourselves, it takes quite a many number of watchings before you can start to feel comfortable because, you know, the first 
dozen times, it's all about, oh, wow, I blew that. I, you know, that line wasn't right. I, what was that strange gesture? You know, you, you know, you can't shut off the critic. But now that doesn't happen anymore. Now we can listen to the words and watch the play. And as you said, we can watch the audience in a way that you can't, you know, you really don't dare in live, off, live theater. You really don't dare watch too closely because you can be taken out of that moment. You can get distracted and suddenly, you know, you've lost, lost your place. So um, it's an entirely different experience. And it's really, um, it's really rewarding because you can see that people are connecting. Yeah, and that that's a that was a great question, Lori, to ask. Now that you can see the audience, how does that make you feel? Because I think you know you look at uh, you know the late night show where they had no audience or no anything, and they're like, oh, give me a laugh, give me something, and how difficult that was. But when you're able to see, even if you can't hear, you know their their laughter, you can see their visual expressions and. Um, it makes a it makes a huge huge difference. So when you originally designed this, did you foresee the expansion of your audience at all, or um, did that just kind of organically happen? Like Lori, you had mentioned that, you know, you could in, you know all of a sudden invite out of town relatives to join or friends. Was that part of the big picture initially, or did that just kind of happen? Well. Wh- um, it was not part of the big picture to have a virtual experience. I mean, again, we've been we've been asked many, many times about creating a video or whatever, but we um, but we never restricted the host community from inviting whomever they wanted, and it never occurred to me to say and make sure that out of town relatives get invited. I mean, it never occurred to me. Um, we just always let the and encourage the host community to do what they wanted to invite people to the event. A live event, we always say, has three parts. There's the, the first part, which, which is an informal uh, reception. It could be a luncheon. It could be appetizers. It could be a full-blown meal. Um, but there's a period of about 45 minutes where the community gathers together, breaks bread, gets together. Then they watch the play together live, and then we have the, communi- the, the, um, the conversation. Um, in a virtual event, with that piece missing, we're trying to do some things that help, you know, get people gathered. But it never really occurred to us to think about, you know, that those dimensions changing. And so, yes, the this was an odd, unexpected gift from from the pandemic to be able to be challenged to make the decision: will we wait? Which seemed ridiculous to me. Um, the, the problems that came with COVID-19 for people who are already feeling stigmatized, isolated, afraid, you know, ramped up. So to me, it was not really an option to do nothing. We had to figure out what to do and how to do it. And this is another part of the bonus, as, as Lori said, to be able to invite people from different parts of the country. On Tuesday, we will have somebody from Delaware sitting in on uh, one of the events. Yep. And how cool is that? You know, just to, Very cool. <laughs> you know, because it, it, it just normally spreads the word of yep. of the work and, and what is possible. Anything you wanted to add to that, Lori? Well, what I'm kind of, Danette doesn't know this, how you and I met Lori. Lori um, LeBay was going to come to Winona to show her film. And COVID struck. Oh. <laughs> so 
we, um, the people at my, my friendship center here, we were talking that when the Remember Project is done, which is, you know, months away because there's two more plays coming, um, people in our community have had live, live theater, you know, filmed. So why couldn't we do the Lori LeBay event over Zoom? You know, because um, when I saw the, the trailer to the film, um, A Timeless Love, I, I'm like, this has to come to Winona. It has to. Um, so I was super disappointed that we had to cancel. But it's still an option, you know, down the road. Yeah, virtually it's not, though, because contractually, the you know, the um, director and stuff won't allow that. Oh, they won't allow nope. it on Zoom, huh? Nope, 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 Would no. be nice, but yeah, so. It's very difficult. The third play that we currently produce um, may not be the one we end up bringing for, virtually for our third one. We might need to use a different play, and that's fine, too. We've talked about how important it, it is to the audience. Lori, how important was it to you as an individual, as a community leader, in terms of, you know, what did it feel like the first time, you know, you guys, you guys did one of these programs? Uh, what did that feel like when you actually like, okay, we've talked about it. We've walked through it a zillion times on what it's going to look like, but now it's actually happened. How did that feel and, and uh, look like to you? I was a little fretting right before the, the one o'clock start time. <laughs> I actually um, tried to call my mom and she didn't answer. And then I tried to call um, one of the other tour liaisons, Marie, from uh, Plainview. And just like, what did you say in the opening? You know, so um, it, it, it felt so just rewarding afterwards um, that these, you know, 30 people got to see this play. Um, because I've been waiting. I've seen it and I I hold this little gift inside of myself that I can't I can't share because you got to see it to understand it. Um and I am, you know, telling everyone about it because I want them to experience it. It's a free event. Um theater is not free. <laughs> you know, so this is such an opportunity and then to get that conversation started. Um we had some really nice conversations during uh, the discussion part of our Zoom event. Um, I had another email this morning from one of the people that attended and sign me up for the next one. I want to see it again um, because she just was so moved. Yeah, and I found that to be really typical when I bring the film out. And I think I've shared that. People are like, well, I, we need to bring our other family members and our friends. It's like, what do you what do you mean? It's It's gone. It was just a one-time thing. And so... You know, I always encourage people if they, if they're able to to do more than one viewing of of you know a, a theater project, a film, a video, whatever, to do more than one offering because there usually is that ripple effect of people want to share. You know, and it doesn't have to be the next day; it could be in a month or two months or you know down the road, but just so that they know. Um, plus, it gives you an opportunity to stay connected to them too. Um, in the meantime as well. What was, um, Lori, what was the largest positive aspect of the project, you know, for for you and what you, what you saw your audience um, say? Probably, I'm sure you got some feedback from them. 
I think it was the opportunity to be in a comfortable area, their home, to watch this. Um, and if they had someone with them, they could watch it with them. Um, it's, it was just a really um, rewarding thing to watch people open up about the topic of dementia. And, and that's what we want. We want to reduce that stigma. We don't want people to isolate themselves. We have to isolate enough with the COVID-19 pandemic. Yep. Um, we want people to, to reach out. And at the Friendship Center, we are using Zoom technology. You know, we are, we've applied for two grants to get tablets into the homes of people that do not have technology. The, I've had people tell me, I don't want to touch technology. But now that the pandemic has lasted this long, they're desperate for that connection. And so we got to have that connection, that sense of community that we can't have in person over Zoom. And that's what I really appreciated was people felt like one. That group of 30 people saw that film together and had a discussion about it. And they're taking that with them. Yeah. What are they going to do with it? Now we got to take that next step. What do we do? We, we tell someone else. We try to reduce that stigma. We bring up dementia at a work meeting, at, at a church meeting, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Um, Danette, how about you? Any Anything you want to add to that? There's so many things. I, I want to say this one thing. Um, you know, yes, abstractly, I've always known that people who, who work in health and human services are amazing. However, this project, whether it's live or virtual, has taught me over and over again for over five years now that the professionals who work in the field of aging are exceptional in so many ways. Um, these, mostly women, sometimes you'll have men in the field, but mostly women, are incredibly dedicated, they're incredibly compassionate, they are uh, unbelievable network weavers. You know, they're trying to help get and place volunteers. They're intersecting with uh, seniors with all kinds of concerns and issues and life stories. And um, it feels so good to stand with them and to help support them. One of the things I was told early, I don't know which community, um, but I was told that it is so common that a family is in crisis before they come to find support, before they reach out for the resources. And when that, when I really incorporated that into my thinking, when I really understood that, it just seemed like this incredible shame. You know, if you don't get the resources early, you're gonna lose valuable time and energy as you spin and spin and try to juggle all of those balls and manage all of those issues and Miss Lori LeBay it sounds like you lived that life and you know to be able to connect with your community resources to be able to have friends and neighbors who who understand this challenge this issue with memory loss um, gives you a chance to just have the biggest life you can for as long as you can because memory life memory loss is a thief and, um, and, and it's hard enough, it's hard enough. And yet these professionals who work and the volunteers who work in the field of aging, they're angels, they're amazing people doing really hard work with great passion. And it is just a joy to, to support them, just a joy.
Wonderful. Now, with the good comes the the bad and the ugly and the the disappointing aspects. What were there? Was there any of that in terms of going virtual, Danette? Well, you know, and my colleague Jim, if you were here, we do miss live performance. It is incredibly moving for us to be in that live room and to be interacting and to have both some informal time with the community and then the performance and the conversation. You know, over the course of two and a half or three hours of being in the community for an event, you know, you you go home feeling like you have all of those new friends. And um, so that is really difficult that, you know, we're, we're grieving that in, in, in truth. Um, and, and also, you know, as I said earlier, a live event generally starts with a period of, of having a meal together. And that is something that um, we've had audiences of 150 to 200 people. Um, because usually a sponsor provides that free meal and the free theater, and it's a wonderful experience for the community. So we haven't quite figured out how to do those things together. I bet we'll figure out something, but it is, it is something we're grieving, you know, that contact like everybody else is. We're, we're missing being live with people that we care about. Yep, yep, understandably so. How about you, Lori? Was there anything that was disappointing um, that you didn't feel the, the virtual presentation was able to do, or maybe it was just in the process of getting the virtual presentation to do what you wanted it to do. It could be technology or, you know, just processes as, as a whole or marketing. How is it going to be perceived and all of those types of things? Yeah, it is a little bit um, unnerving when you, you're telling someone it's, it's on Zoom and some people might have a misconception about Zoom and, and, what, and what they're going to see. Um, so that, that is difficult to get over that hurdle. I mean, I, I love going to theater, um, that, that live aspect, the, the breaking, like Danette said, that breaking of bread together. Um, nothing brings people together in Minnesota and Winona but like a meal. You know? So it's, it's just a, a way to that people can kind of chit-chat and, and get to know one another and then see this beautiful piece of art and then get the opportunity to talk about it. So yeah, the meal part um, in, in the positive side is it's a lot easier planning. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I didn't have to find a sponsor for the meal um, and kind of just take it another direction. Now the, the thing is convincing people that you can go on Zoom. Um, with the event that we had the other day, I missed the first two like months because I was troubleshooting with someone on the phone uh, to get on the Zoom. Um, my colleague, Laura Hoberg, uh, she, she missed the whole play because she was, um, you know, troubleshooting with people the whole time. Uh, so she, she will see it again. But she said, even um, came into my office and said, the community conversation was wonderful. And, and she, coming from her, I was, I was just so happy to hear that um, because she wouldn't lie to me. I mean, she, she told the truth and spoke from her heart. Um, that it was just nice to have the community connection. We have actually had many people over the years say, mm, I don't think our, mm, I, I really don't think our community will open up. I don't know if this community conversation thing will work. Um, you know, a lot of uncertainty about will they talk? And, and like the story that you told earlier about the woman at the film, 
there's a hunger to be in communication. We might not know how, we might not even believe we're ready, but when a proper invitation is made, and I believe when you come through this arts door, and whether that is film or theater or even a visual art exhibit that you get a chance to see and look at and talk together, a book that you're reading, um, when you provide that invitation and you've activated the head and the heart, people are often very ready to talk about it. Yeah, they just haven't had the opportunity in a safe environment to do it. Um, yeah, I, I think that that is very true. And I, I've heard that same comment from people, nah, our group's not touchy-feely. You know, they're not, they're not going to laugh and cry together. They're just, they'll watch it. But they're, you're not going to get any of that from them. And I'm, I always say, you want to have a little little side wager on that? Because I think you're going to be surprised. And, and they always are. I mean, we usually don't bet. But, uh, you know, they are, they are surprised that their group opened up. But, you know, art takes you in a different place, um, you know, than someone just talking to you. And, and again, when you hear other people sniffling or laughing or crying around you, you know you're not alone, you know, fighting back tears or whatever it is, um, it, that it, it's okay. And again, when you can remove that feeling of isolation and nobody understands to one that goes, oh my gosh, they get it. I've been there. I've done this. Is somebody following me? Uh, this looks like my story. I mean, you hear that sometimes too from people, you know, so it's, uh, yeah, it, it, we just have to get that conversation going. Um, Lori, for, for bringing it to Winona, what was your, I guess, overall goal for Winona in terms of bringing this project to them? What, uh, I know we talked about removing stigma. Um, was it to elevate the dementia-friendly community and awareness as a, as a whole, um, get new volunteers maybe and participants? Um, or connect people to resources? What what all were you guys thinking of? Well, it, with um, it being virtual and with the pandemic, you know, your expectations change um, in, in my mind. And so we're maybe reaching a segment that we wouldn't reach, maybe like um, teens and young adults um, because of the virtual connection. People's schedules are very busy, so you know, offering this at different times of the day and not having um, maybe that meal component. So what I hope to bring to the Winona community is to touch a segment that we maybe haven't touched and to reinforce that we are working to become a dementia-friendly community. I mean, it's been in the process since 16. Um, we're not there, and I don't think we ever will be there because it's always some, there's always something more you can do. Um, maybe this um, will revitalize people's desire to become a dementia friend and, and we'll do more dementia friend sessions, maybe with these civic organizations. Um, it would be great like if you had a, a Rotary group or a Kiwanis group come and, and zoom into this, this play, um, just to t maybe reach a new segment. Oh, they would be really interested, I think most of them, to, to get the invite, a personal invite to that would be uh, real interesting. And a lot of the Rotaries, you know, will do some funding and stuff too you know, four groups and things. So very cool. Um, Lori, I have to ask you, what was your favorite part of the virtual discussion? Was there one thing that just stood out for you that was like, yep, this was totally worth it? 
Boy, that's a tough question because um, I enjoy talking. I don't like silence. And so um, seeing the play, I think I've seen it four or five times, It's I see something new each time. And so that's what I like to share with someone else is, you know, this last time I saw it, I really saw the heartbreak in Amanda. You know, her, her life that she had planned with Tim is changing. Her goals and dreams that they had aren't going to be the same that they were. Um, and that's heartbreaking. And so just kind of sharing the differences that people see in the play, you know, that they catch different things that I didn't catch. And then it makes me want to see it again. Um, just, just what touches people and, and how that can open up another dimension to your appreciation of the, of the film. You know, it's interesting you say about what people see differently and wanting to go see it again because somebody else picked up something. Uh, the film that I bring around, I've seen probably 200 times. And every time I see it, I see something different. I notice a teardrop or I, I notice a facial expression or a gesture or, or I, I miss something. And I'm fascinated. But, you know, I walk in every time as a different person in a different space in terms of what's going on in my life and you know and that changes my perception of what I'm going to see in that film or what I'm going to relate to and so I think that you know that was a big um, aha moment for me understanding that you can see this multiple times and walk away with totally different thoughts and priorities and feelings and pieces that you want to share because you're just in a different space than what you were before. Or maybe you, maybe you found comfort if you saw it once, and so you get that part, but now it's like, oh, how did I miss this piece? Because I was so indulged in this other, other portion. You know, I got so sucked into that, I didn't even realize this was going on. How about you, um, Danette? Was there, was, did you have a favorite part of the virtual discussion that oh, really it, hit you? It's just so interesting. I mean, as I'm listening, several of the tour liaisons who have seen it many times now, they are sharing that um, because they're able to see it, they're seeing new things. Like, as you just said, they're seeing new things. And of course, Jim and I are seeing new things and seeing the story and our characters in different ways because we've never seen ourselves. <laughs> so um, the virtual discussion is opening doors and windows to the experience that haven't been opened for us before. Now, now one thing's been true all along, and we see it in the virtual conversation as well. There, all, there seems to always be somebody in the uh, audience who is kind of coming into the conversation for the very first time. They're maybe at the very early stages of wondering about a loved one or themselves, and so they're coming in publicly for the first time, and there's always one or more people in the audience who have um, been through the entire journey and have lost someone. So um, whether it's virtual or live, it's been really exciting and beautiful to, um, to watch how people help each other. And virtually, one other thing that has been amazing is that it works, that you can go into these small breakout conversations and for me as a facilitator, that's been the most difficult thing because I do facilitation afterward. Um, to not be able to feel and read the energy in the room 
and to really be able to sense are we ready to move on, but instead say, in 15 minutes we'll all be coming back, that has been very difficult for me. And it's working. Um, I'm still learning a lot, we're still troubleshooting, and yet it's working. Even yesterday when we had one small breakout room not be able to actually speak with each other and answer the questions, they came out of their breakout room with a, um, a fabulous insight about how the themes of the play and the theme of their breakout room about navigation um, just had an important relationship. And this idea of the title of the play, Steering into the Skid, that, that if you can steer into the skid, you're going to find the way safely out of that navigation issue. So yeah, it's, it's been really rewarding. And that, that moment too of saying, oh, even with big technical difficulties, we can find our way. Very good point. And the title of, of the play is, is perfect because uh, you know, a lot of times we wanna just run and hide. You know, yes. we want to yeah. we want to be in that denial stage. Everything's fine, you know, because, my gosh, if I admit it, I got to deal with it and I don't have the time or the energy to do that or the the skill set. So I'm um, steering in the, into the skid and knowing that uh, you will stabilize and you will figure this out and you you might take a different road than you had originally mapped out, but it can still be a wonderful trip. Yeah. Absolutely. And this play, it's written by a husband-wife team, Arnold Johnson and Deborah Ann Percy. And you, they do a lot of playwriting together. And this one, I mean, in 20 minutes to share a year in the life of a, of a very caring couple, it, it's a really amazing piece of writing. It's a really beautiful play. And it is perfectly titled. And it has humor and it has sadness, of course. Um, but what a ride it is. Yep. Every word is so valuable in that play. And I think about the playwrights as they're writing it. It's such a precision in their writing. Yeah. Well, like they say, you know, for, for speakers like myself, you know, you can, you can go do a full day training. But when you're asked to, like, do a 20-minute keynote, that's when the work comes. You yeah, know? <laughs> Slicing it down, you know, and really giving, being able to fill people and still give them something um, and give them some guidance, you know, as they're walking out the door. So um, people can learn more about the play by going to www.rememberproject.org, rememberproject.org, and you can email them at info at rememberproject.org. And um, Danette's email is McCarthy M-C-C-A-R, T-H-Y at rememberproject.org. You can also call uh, 651-251-5771. And then on Facebook, you are the Remember Project as well. So they can find you find you there. Um, Lori, um, how about you? Is there contact information that you'd like people to have? They can um, find us on Facebook uh we are at Winona DFC, so Dementia Friendly Community, and that's where we have all of our literature on the showings. Wonderful. And you said that it is free and available to anybody to participate. Is there a limit in terms of how many people you can hold? We currently are limiting a, a virtual audience to 90, okay. and but we do foresee a time as we work through the logistics of being able to have even larger audiences. So at this time, 90, 
And we use Eventbrite, you'll find that on both of our um, platforms, but we use Eventbrite as a virtual box office and it's been working very well. Wonderful. Well, thank you um, first for all you're doing. I think it's amazing and taking the time to share with us today and I hope our audience uh, members will help push this out um, into the world as well. Uh, I just, I, I think it's such a valuable, valuable tool to get the conversation going and to expand the knowledge and raise awareness and, like you said, remove the stigma that so deeply affects people um, all around the world. So um, good job. I also want to invite both of you to become part of Dementia Map if you're interested. It's a new program that um, myself and um, Dave um, Widrocker are rolling out. He's the guy who has pulled together the Memory Cafe directories. And it's a global resource directory. You can put in a free listing um, or there are paid, um, paid levels that you can have that offer banner ads and you can put in events and things with that. And right now we have the paid models are like a, a buck a day, so 365 for a year. But you get 50% off of that during our launch using the code LAUNCH50. Then there's uh, the featured model, which is normally 800 which is $400. Um, that one gives you the most exposure with banners on header, footer, side, and with both plans, you can put in as many events as, as possible, blog posts and things. So I will send you some information, but you know our goal is to enlighten people to all the different types of forms of education and support that are out there. And so to have your dementia-friendly community listed in there, because still a lot of people don't know that they exist or where, and your, you know, your art project um, and, and theater is so important. And it's something that a lot of times people just overlook, especially when you're new in the space. You don't know what you don't know, so you don't even know to search for it. And um, we would love to have you be part um, also, you can always go to alzheimerspeaks.com and look at our other resources as well. But again, thank you, ladies, for sharing your time, your expertise, and your passion with us. It was uh, really a fun, fun conversation, and I hope uh, you have nothing but uh, big success in the future with this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you thank so you. much. It's time to rethink, renew, and reimagine retirement. Hey, everybody. Jared Sebesta here, host of Retire Repurposed. Now, this podcast is about the non-financial parts of retirement, which many times can be even more challenging than the financial. We believe retirement is not the end, rather the beginning of what could be the most impactful, purposeful, and fulfilling season of a person's life. So don't retire. Become repurposed. To listen now, search Retire Repurposed on your favorite podcast platform, Senior Resource, or Life Audio.